Hey guys, welcome to the Metaphobia Podcast. Today on the podcast, I had Emily Welch. This podcast was awesome. Like, we went over a ton of stuff. We went into detail about a lot of um, her emetophobia wins, um, how it affects her now, um, her pets and her emetophobia, uh, what is, has stopped her in life um, because of her emetophobia. We went over some coping skills, what it's like with her family and everything. So we definitely went into a lot of topics. Uh, I've been kind of asking the same questions in each podcast to kind of bring the same amount of value in each episode. So I hope that that um, system works for you guys. If you guys have any other questions you'd like me to ask anybody when I do these podcasts, please feel free to send me an email at theemetophobiapodcast at gmail.com or over on the Instagram at theemetophobiapodcast. Um, yeah, this was an awesome episode. I really, really enjoyed having her on. Again, Emily, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, let's get into the show. Let's see how it goes. Um, let's just get right into it. Let's hear uh, maybe your metaphobia backstory and maybe a little bit about you if you want to share anything. Yeah, cool. Um, so my name is Emily. I'm 24 years old. Um, I'm a photographer. I'm also a PA. Um, and yeah, my metaphobia backstory. Um, so yeah, I've, I've always been like a bit of like an anxious child person. Um, always sort of had anxious tendencies. Um, I'd say the first time, I'm not sure if this was like the trigger, which sort of like caused the emetophobia or whether this was just sort of the first time I can remember it. Um, but when I was in primary school, um, it's a bit of a horrible story. Am I okay? Do I have to sort of do any warnings for trigger words? No, I've, I've kind of just been uh, rolling with it lately. I kind of want to, it's just like a small little form of exposure therapy for the listeners, I guess. it's. I, I can put a warning in between the first part of the episode as well, just in case. So. Cool. Okay. No, I get that actually. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was in the playground, it was at lunchtime and then a girl approached me um, I've no idea why, but she just said, oh, Emily, my friend is being sick. Um, and I turned around and there was this girl, I can literally still remember like exactly what she was wearing to a tee. She was wearing this like big puffer, blue and like pink flowery coat. And she was just being sick, sort of all down herself. And mm. I don't know sort of what happened to me, but I just went a bit nuts. I started sort of running around the playground. I was... Um, sort of screaming to try and find someone to grab like a teacher or someone to sort of take her away. Um, and it was like, you know, looking back on it, it was so embarrassing, but sort of in that moment, I was just so sort of panic stricken, um, grabbing like other like students and saying, you know, someone get a teacher, someone get a teacher. Um, so that's sort of like the first time I can remember being really affected by it. And then the next day, um, because I, I, I wrote an article, didn't I, for the um, for your blog? I was just I, about to say, I was like, this sounds very familiar. I was like, I yeah. you wrote an article, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, yeah, you're good. This is, this is in the article. So then, yeah, at the school gates, I had to be literally dragged away from my mum um, because I, I just thought for some reason, if I was to go into school the next day, I would catch the bug, like whatever that girl had. Um, so I had to be dragged away. I was, you know, crying. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of like the origin of it. Um, well, that I that I can remember um but yeah just sort of from that point onwards I've had sort of um many many um events or whatever you want to call it with my metaphobia and things like that so that's definitely where it probably started sure how does it affect you nowadays so I'm definitely far better than when I was when I was younger 
Um, nowadays, mm, I'd say it only really affects me when I'm sort of traveling or um, I'm around sort of people drinking, so at parties and things like that. Obviously with food, yeah. I'm always super careful with food. I always overcook the shit out of my food when I'm cooking. Um, I'm always, you know, checking things. Um, but it definitely doesn't rule my life now than, you know, when it did when I was younger. When I was younger, it was sort of, my whole life was sort of based around that. And every decision I made, every, you know, event I went to, anything like that was always sort of emetophobia focused. That was always like the, the crux yeah. of it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I am a lot better. Um, obviously, it, I, you know, it's not gone. I don't think it will ever go. I think it will always be a part of me, but I've definitely sort of learned how to cope with it better. Um, I have, you know, great people around me that are supportive. Um, yeah, so I think, and I think especially as a child, you, I think just in general, you feel out of control anyway. Like, you know, you're putting yeah. your trust into adults, you know, teachers, parents, you know, to sort of keep you safe. Whereas now it's sort of, you know, I, I can drive, I can, you know, leave when I want to. I can, you know, I have my own safe spaces. I have my own coping mechanisms that I can sort of do for myself. Um, so maybe that that is an element of it that I'm not sort of relying on other people to take me out of a situation and things like that. So um, yeah, definitely better now. But I wanted <laughs> to um, touch for one second on the food thing you were talking about. I, I've never really said this on the podcast, but I, I've worked at a lot of restaurants in my life. And one I worked at was at a hotel. It was a really high class hotel where they served a lot of like hoity toity food. You know what I mean? And they have this stuff called steak tartare, which is anything tartare is just raw meat. So, uh, <laughs> but my, my chef's uh, the, the guy I was working through, he was always about this whole, like, you have to taste it. If you're going to sell it to people, you got to know what it tastes like if you're going to be giving this to people to eat. And I was like, dude, I don't know if I can do that, man. And so one day, but I did, I took a big spoonful and just ate it and it was delicious. It was super duper good. I didn't get sick. Everything was fine. And he explained to me like how meat works and how it's cooled properly. And if it's fresh and it's not like some processed meat that comes from somewhere, it's like, this is local cows that were raised here in the, the area where at all this stuff. So um, that day moving forward, like kind of got me into this new thought process on food to be like, well, maybe if I do try some new stuff here and there, like, it might not be the worst idea in the world, but I think that was the push I needed to be like, dude, I eat raw meat, like straight up raw meat. <laughs> and like, that was like, I was like, I can't eat anything worse than that. I feel like, so that was a real big deciding factor in my head. So just kind of like the, the sum up of all this is just like trying new foods is, is usually a good thing. It's just all about the thought process afterwards to be like, I'm good. Like everything's fine. I'm going to move on and I'm going to try more new stuff here and there. So I just want to put that in there yeah, a little no, bit. I like, I've actually done the same. I've, I've tried steak tartare and this was like um, at a worker then like a couple of years ago and they were sort of handing them around. I didn't actually know until I'd eaten it. And someone was like, Oh, that's steak tartare. And I was thinking, doesn't that mean it's raw? And I was kind of like, oh my God, this is like, you know, I started panicking a bit, but yeah, it was, it was, it was delicious. It was so good, yeah. but I'm definitely the same. I've sort of started becoming more adventurous with foods I would eat. And, um, you know, when I was younger, it was one of those things I would never go to a restaurant that either like, I, like A, I hadn't eaten at before or B, someone I know hadn't eaten at before. Whereas now I'm a lot more, um, yeah, let's try somewhere different or let's try somewhere we've, you know, we've never tried before some, something like that. Um, yeah, I think you do like, obviously, like you said, you, you were so happy that you sort of pushed yourself out of your comfort zone. You had that push from someone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, definitely doing that has, you know, on a, like, you know, exposure therapy, whatever you want to call it, um, has definitely made me more adventurous. But yeah, with definitely things like food. Do you ever find yourself looking at reviews of restaurants before you go there? Yeah, that's always my thing. Always. Yeah. If it's I see like, one food poisoning review, I'm like, no, we're not going there. Literally. Not <laughs> yeah, yeah. Straight away, I'm like, oh, no, sorry, we can't go there. And like, you know, obviously, I'm sure this is 
common with you know everyone that has emetophobia if you have experienced food poisoning from somewhere you're obviously never going back there again so for example when I was younger I had food poisoning at KFC mm. and I had food poisoning at Burger King so um neither i have ever eaten ever again and probably never will um, probably a good thing though yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it is. i mean yeah it's like you know it's bad for you so but um yeah it's like super traumatic and like um scarring so yeah yeah <laughs> what are some uh, coping skills you picked up over the years like some good ones that you could maybe give some advice to other people who are are struggling nowadays with metaphobia hmm, coping skills I mean, just, just in general, I have anxiety anyway. So obviously, you know, anxiety attacks can happen when, you know, sort of my metaphobia flares up. Um, one thing that I learned from a doctor, and I'm, you know, I'm not sure if this is true. I'm assuming it is. It was my GP. Um, sure. She said, um, you know, obviously like breathing exercises, everyone with anxiety, you know, is, is told them. But what she said is if you exhale longer than you're inhaling, it slows your heart rate. And I think for me, that's been really helpful because I don't know about you, but when my heart starts beating really fast, I feel nauseous. Like I, I immediately feel yeah. sick. And like, yeah, when I when I felt super anxious in situations or I'm, I'm starting to feel nauseous, you know, because of my heart racing, I'll sort of, you know, breathe in for a count of say eight and then exhale for a count of 10. And apparently if you sort of like do that consistently, it slows your heart rate, you know, slowly. Yeah. Um, other things... I mean, something that really changed my life, I, you'd think as, you know, an emetophobe that this would be something that I was always aware of, but um, we have, I'm not, I'm not sure what they would call it in America, it might be Tums, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, antacids. Yep. Yeah, so I only found out about them, and maybe about three years ago, and you'd think that I would have, like, always known about that, right, because, like, right. you know, I think that's quite a common thing for people with emetophobia to sort of have on hand all the time um, but that has definitely helped me because I think a lot of time you know things with like indigestion heartburn uh, makes you panic it makes you think mm -hmm. oh my god I feel sick there's something going wrong you know the food's not being digested properly so uh, yeah. antacids are really helpful to me um, but yeah I'd say that the biggest one I use is, is the breathing is sort of like the exhaling longer just slowing my heart rate that really does help me um, and, and just like talking to people as well like letting people around me know I'm starting to feel this kind of way, please be patient yeah. with me because, you know, obviously when you keep it in, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved. So like, you know, speaking out, sometimes even just saying it out loud, you sort of realize how maybe you're overthinking this and, you know, saying it out loud might actually sound a little bit silly type thing, you know, oh, I'm panicking about this. And then when you say it, you're kind of thinking, oh, actually maybe that, that is a bit silly because when it's stuck in your head, you, you know, it just goes round and round, it just gets worse and worse. Um, but I'm very vocal and I'm very, um, you know, especially with like my boyfriend, my family, I'm always saying, you know, I'm starting to feel a bit unwell, you know, I'm, I'm just a bit anxious, just letting you know, type thing. And mm -hmm. I think that makes them, they're like, you know, able to be there to support you type thing. Yeah. Well, it, it, it comes from like a point of feeling out of control. So I feel like when you tell people stuff like that, now you're a little bit more in control of the situation. So if like you do anything weird, at least they know like, oh yeah, she's just not feeling well right now. Like we, we understand her thing. I want to talk about that a little bit too. Um, how did how did you explain it to your family and how did they take that information were they very supportive or were they just like well yeah nobody likes to be sick <laughs> oh that is like the common thing isn't it everyone you know oh no one yeah. likes to be sick and I'm like yeah but I really don't like it you know yeah. um so I mean obviously my, my parents are the best parents in the world and you know they're so supportive however I think you know it is an irrational fear right it's kind of you know we know 
being sick isn't going to kill us. We know that seeing someone be sick isn't going to kill us. But for some reason, we have this sort of like life or death fear. So it's always hard for people to understand and sort of cope with, especially when you're being, you know, what would be considered difficult. So, you know, I'm causing problems in a sense of we're going on a family trip. I don't want to sit in the back because I'm scared that I'm going to get car sick, things like that. So I think there's always cases of, you know, you're irritating people and they're sort of finding it hard to, you know, know what to do with you because they've never experienced this before. Uh, but I think over the years, my parents, like through talking with them about it, they've sort of grown to understand it more. And don't get me wrong, there's still times where, you know, literally the other day, I asked my dad if he could like cut the raw chicken for me because I just didn't want to touch it. And he, you know, kind of rolls his eyes like, oh God, yeah. you know, I'll do it. Um, but yeah, they've, they've definitely sort of over time become a lot more understanding of it but I actually listened to your most recent podcast about um I can't remember her name it was really lovely she was Scottish Charlotte yeah yeah and you guys were talking about sort of like how you explain it to people and she used like the plane analogy and you mm -hmm. talked about like the spider analogy and I have a similar thing where I find that people sort of um get frustrated with me especially in this scenario when someone says I feel kind of sick and then you say oh whoa okay like are you going to be sick and they're like oh my god calm down like I'm not you know I probably won't be I'm probably going to be fine and the best way I can describe it to them is you have a fear of spiders and someone says oh like I've got a tarantula in my pocket and I might get it out like I yeah. might get it out at any point and then you say like whoa I don't want to see your tarantula like I've got a fear of spiders and they say oh my god calm down like I'm probably not going to get it out but you're sort of sat there knowing that they've got a tarantula in their pocket type thing yeah. you know what I mean? like oh it might just escape out of my pocket and i might yeah, just have might... to run away i don't know it's just yeah, yeah like, it's so random yeah it might just happen at any moment like i'm really sorry if it does and then you're just like oh my god like i can't cope with that so um that's like the best way and i think there's been often times when i've used that analogy and people kind of go oh okay because um like you said the the most common sort of reaction is well no one likes being sick and it's like yeah. yes I know it's not a pleasant experience but for me it's an actual phobia so that's like the best way I can describe it so yeah like my family have always been super supportive even at times when they didn't understand um, I think they've always tried to understand and like I said I've, I've, I'm just an anxious person anyway so I think for them it was probably oh it's Emily being anxious type thing you know yeah. um, it always comes at the worst times too I've noticed that with my girlfriend where like We'll be downstate visiting her parents somewhere. Like we go down, we live in Michigan. So we go down to Detroit a lot and visit around there, but um, we'll be down there and something, I mean, I'll just be anxious because we're in a new place. It's very busy, very bustling. There's a lot of people around. So um, she wants to go do things. And for her, it's very normal. And just like, she can just go do whatever she wants. But I get certain kinds of social anxiety around a lot of people I don't know. Cause I'm just like, I don't know what's going to happen here, man. There's a lot of people here. And there are a lot of people that are drunk and doing things. And I just don't know what's going to happen. So for me, I get very nauseous and I'm like, I don't know if I want to go in that building right now. Can we like just circle her back around and like try in a second? And she'll be like, no, just come on, let's just go. And then she gets a little bit like, you know, anxious about it. And I'm just like, all right, let's do it. But it, it pushes me too. I mean, it helps me out in the long run, but at the, at, in the moment, I'm just like, dude, this is scary. Like, I don't know if I'm going to do this right now, but yeah, I understand where you're coming from. It's, it's just weird, but. No, I, I really get that. And, and like my boyfriend's the same. Cause obviously like, you know, being with someone, obviously being in close proximity with someone that sort of having these like anxieties that you consider so abnormal and so strange that you've never sort of experienced before. I can imagine it probably can be frustrating and things like, you know, if we're planning to go out, you know, say to the cinema, cause I get anxious around the cinema. I'm not sure why, yeah. but I, you know, it's one of those places and, you know, it's sort of coming up to it and it should be, you know, a nice experience. It should be, oh yeah, we're going to go see a movie. We're going to get some popcorn. It's just going to be a chilled night. But for me, it's, 
um it's like a build-up it's scary so obviously you know for my boyfriend it's kind of like oh come on you know push yourself out of your comfort zone and I'm and in the moment I get really frustrated with him because I'm like it's not that easy and you know it's pretty hard for me but I'm really glad that he does because there's been so many instances where he's really pushed me to go out and I've done it and I've felt like I've you know sort of conquered the world I've really done something you know conquered something in that moment where you know for some for some person it's just you know going to see a movie but for me it's like I actually did something really important there for myself and he was sort of there to help me through it and sort of you know be my support system type thing so yeah I, I, I do completely get that how did you find out about your metaphobia did you just do some research did you some friend tell you counseling what, what happened with that so I always knew that I had a phobia of sick I just never knew there was a name for it I just thought it was something that I had and no I didn't know anyone and still to this day don't know anyone else um close to me that has it um but then one day my sister sent me an article um and it was written by a girl that has a metaphobia and sort of the title was a metaphobia you know sort of like my story and um when she sent it to me she was like oh my god this must be what you have and when mm. I read it I was like oh my god this is what I have this is crazy it was like everything she was saying I was just like this is me this is my life um it was yeah really really weird experience because I was just you know I never knew it had a name I just always thought it was some weird sort of brain yeah. thing that I had that I just was scared of you know this thing um so yeah that's how I found out about it and after that I sort of you know did my own research um found you know support groups like yours like you know Instagram pages Facebook pages articles um and that's really helped me because like I said I've never met anyone in my life um that has a metaphobia and like going onto these you know Instagram pages where there's thousands of people sort of you know commenting oh my god this is like and like even you know, because I message you and like the memes on your, I've never seen an emetophobia meme ever. And it just like brought me so much joy because it was like, you know, like the Bernie Sanders one who was like, I'm once again asking if this chicken looks good to you. Yeah. It was just like, it was just like normalizing it for me because, and I was like showing it to my boyfriend. I was like, isn't this me? And he, he like even made him laugh. And what was the other one? Oh yeah, you know the one where it's like, the guy stood in the corner, it's like a cartoon. And he's like at a party and he's like, they don't know that my tummy hurts but I'm being really brave <laughs> I was like that I know just... I, I felt the same thing about myself I'm like I do that all the time where I'm like in the store and I'm just like god I'm so nauseous but I'm like I'm gonna get through this like it's just one of those yeah, like, I'm dumb being really brave. <laughs> yeah. no I get that that's hilarious no I'm glad the memes help I, I find a lot of them on reddit like I just see because I follow all the emetophobia stuff on reddit I really enjoy reddit a lot and um they'll just pop up every once in a while I'm like I'm just gonna share it because it's a meme in my in my opinion a meme is meant to be shared so it's like I'm not gonna and I, the, actually one of the people who made the memes that I've been sharing commented on a meme and was like I made this meme and I was like you know I kind of thought about that would happen because it's like I follow so many people with emetophobia I've got to mm -hmm. find one of them who's made one of these memes you know it's like it's kind of crazy well, I, I actually thought about sharing because I was like saving loads of them so I was like these are so funny I can't wait to show them to like my you know my close friends that know about my phobia and I yeah. thought about sharing it but you know I feel like because like I said I don't know anyone with this phobia I feel like if I shared it people would be like what like, that's so weird what do you mean it's um, very specific, it's me, yeah. like it's so personal and it's so funny um but yeah it's like it's very niche <laughs> so I wasn't yeah. sure where I could share that I know I need to get more. I'm, I have Canva now, so I'm thinking about trying to make my own because it's like there's so many other ones that I could probably make. I just oh need God, to do, do it, it, spend the time to do that. it. But yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Um, so what has emetophobia stopped you from doing in life that you wish you could have done? Oh, my God. What hasn't it stopped me doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say, well, like I, I, I do push myself. 
and there has been instances where I've sort of gone somewhere and you know so a lot of people will and, and most of the time it is when they say once you're there it'll be fine and there's been instances where I've actually pushed myself to do something and it wasn't fine mm-hmm. um but I think just sort of the general thing of you know parties that you know I, I didn't go to because I was you know scared people would be drinking too much um films you know going to the cinema times where I've just sort of cancelled last minute um I think one thing that where it did really affect my life was um a couple so like before the pandemic I had this job that I really loved um and it was in the city so I'd have to get the tube every day to the city and I, I'm on the central line which is like the busiest line it's it gets absolutely rammed like I don't mean to interrupt you call the train the tube yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a hilarious well, we've way got, like We've got like overground trains, but then like the underground is called like the tube. Okay. I've never been on a train, so I don't even know like what a train's like in the first place, but that's funny oh, that really? you guys call them tubes. Yeah, that's cool. Is that, is that because of your metaphobia or is that because of just where you live? I just, I live in a place where we're like surrounded by woods everywhere. So like we just don't oh. really have trains around here. We have like trains that um, haul like products, but there's not money that you can hop on and just go riding, you know what I mean? So yeah. continue. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just was curious. No, no, about that's that. fine. Well, where I live, it's like, if you want to get anywhere, it's either the bus or the tube right. <laughs> or a train. And um, so yeah, for every day for work, I'd have to go on the tube on the central line. And it was just he- like, it was like hell every single day. And I really loved my job. And when I, you know, when I got to the office, I loved it. I love the people I work with. Everyone was so lovely. Um, but I, so I so I went for a stage. My anxiety was bad anyway. I was sort of having my own mental health problems. But sort of to top that off, it was the fear, you know, sort of even getting out of bed was difficult due to my mental health problems. But the thought of trying to get dressed, get on a train, the tube, <laughs> and, um, you know, go on this sort of like 45 minute journey to work was just so overwhelming to me. And it got to the point where I actually got signed off of work from the doctor because my anxiety was just so terrible. And I think that sort of ultimately ended my job there. So I did get technically made like redundant. Um, but I think there were sort of things leading up to that being signed off. And not that they would have ever sort of made me redundant because of mental health. Like that's not what they're, they're very supportive of mental health, this company. But I think in hindsight, I think for myself, when they sort of mentioned the redundancy, it was almost like a relief because I knew that I didn't have to, you know, do this journey. So as much as I've got a job now that I really love and um, I'm really happy with, you know, the thing I'm, I'm working from home, which is great. Mm-hmm. I think I do massively regret letting that, that job sort of slip through my hands a bit due to, um, you know, greatly my phobia affecting my travel into work. It was really difficult. And especially in the summer, because we literally do, there's no air con on, on the tube and it's obviously underground. Oh yeah. People, when I say packed in, I mean, I don't know how to do it's like you can't you can't move it's like you have to sort of get squished onto the train and um there was often times you know people would faint um which I don't like as well like that sort of freaks me out also um I remember there was like this one guy who got on the train and he was like really coughing and sort of gagging as he was coughing and I was like oh my god I need to get off the train right now you know so I was always I either had my headphones in and my head down my eyes closed or I'd sort of be completely alert and I'd be like looking around at people sort of looking for any signs of sickness. And I think people would sometimes look at me and be like, why is this bitch looking at me at like 7am <laughs> in the morning? But it's because I was like, you know, sort of looking for signs of people looking ill or things like that. So yeah, that was really hard. And I think that ultimately sort of ended my time at that job. Um, but yeah, obviously like in general, emetophobia stops us doing a lot of things. Um, but 
also, like I said, I've, I've come on leaps and bounds really, and I've gotten a lot better and I push myself to go to parties that I'm anxious about, to try new restaurants, um, you know, to go to the cinema, you know, little things like that. I've, I, I have pushed myself and I'm getting better every day, really. Yeah. What's your uh, biggest emetophobia win of like your entire life? What's the biggest thing you've ever done that you're like, I just could never do that. And you did it. Okay. So I have one. I'm not sure if this is like a good story, but I'll, I'll tell it. So um, last year I, um, before bed, I was feeling really sick and I was thinking, you know, you've felt this before it's going to pass just go to sleep I woke up about an hour later and I said to my boyfriend I'm I feel really like as in I need to go to the toilet I think I'm going to be sick that you know it was like a really big deal and um so bless him he like came with me he was with me the whole time and I um I basically went through all of the motions of being sick without anything sort of coming out so I was like you know gagging mm -hmm. coughing I still to this day have no idea why that happened it, it might have just been like anxiety just sort of you know really coming to a head um but I felt so sick and I was crying and my boyfriend said to me look there's clearly something going on uh you may have eaten something you may sort of you know have a bug but your body is telling you something needs to come out so I think what you should do because your body is clearly sort of like stopping you doing it um I think you should take matters into your own hands and you know bring it up yourself type thing and I was just like fuck no like are you joking <laughs> I was like that goes against every instinct I have and he was saying I really think you should do it I think you'll just feel so much better if you just if it just came out and I did it and like it, wow. it took like a good sort of like 15 minutes of me like sobbing and him being like you can do this you could like you know really amping me up um but I did it and um yeah I felt so much better and that for me was like I would never in a million years have dreamt that I would ever do that. Like, could you imagine an emetophobe making themselves like, do you know what I mean? That's just like everything that we're against, but I did it. Yeah. I felt so much better. Um, so that for me is probably like the biggest one I have. Another one was, um, again, I think it was like three years ago, um, I had a sickness bug and I came home from work and I was really ill. And it was the first time that I'd ever, um, been sick by myself no one was in the house my parents weren't there my sister wasn't there no one was in um and I got through it and I did it all by myself um by the end of the night because it was happening so much I sort of became desensitized to it um and I wasn't even sort of getting that dread you know when you sort of you're starting you, you can feel it coming and you're thinking oh my god here we go I wasn't even getting that by the end of the night and that for me was like a really big deal that I got through that by myself and I didn't you know have someone there sort of rubbing my back or um yeah. you know just holding my hand with me through it so that was also a really big deal what yeah, about that's you huge. What's the biggest in life um I had a similar story this last fourth of July I drank way too much and I got a little too like happy on the boat and we were out in the boat and stuff having fun and um I just drank like a ton of beers and I didn't realize how many I had had. And I also drank like Trulies and stuff and like just stuff I never really do. You know, I was like, let everything go. Mm. And that right there was kind of a win for me in, in one. Cause like, I've always been so afraid of alcohol in that way of just like, I've, I've, I've become an alcoholic in my life at one point and it was kind of a bad time in my life. But once I moved past it, and even with the metaphobia though, I still wasn't like a full blown alcoholic. Like I, I drank a lot of beer, but it was like, I had a very close limit and I always ate chips and drank water every time. Like it was very specific, but this one particular time, yeah, I drank way too much, got off the boat. We went back inside. I went to bed. We slept in a tent that night outside. Cause it was like summer and it was nice. And 
I woke up in the morning and I took like two sips of water and I just instantly felt so sick. Like, and I was white. I was so pale. I just like, I was dehydrated. I had the worst hangover my entire life. And that same day I had the same thing happen where I gagged a bunch and I, I thought I was going to be sick, but I, and nothing came out. It was just like the worst intense gagging for me. I didn't, I didn't really feel like I needed to make myself sick in that moment just because like I didn't have anything in me anyway. Like there was, there was just water. So I'm just like, there's nothing going on. But mm -hmm afterwards and my girlfriend was there with me she was like patting my I'm just like she's like what do I do I'm like I was just frozen I was like I have no idea I don't know I'm scared like I am terrified right now and I'm like standing outside with my hand on the side of the fucking house just like keeled over and just like gagging I'm like this is the worst experience of my entire life and so so that same day though we um I, I kind of just like went home and I laid down and I felt kind of sick the rest of the day and I drank a bunch of water I had to go to work the next day or whatever so I was fine but I think it was just a moment of like my mindset changing from like this is the worst thing in the world to like that really wasn't so bad it took about like five minutes and I mean yeah it was really traumatic in the moment but afterwards I was like fine and everything was okay and I moved on with my day and I think that's um the biggest part too. And like you were saying about how your boyfriend uh helped you to kind of push you to do what you didn't want to do I think that's what um I've seen a lot with my exes is where they don't do that for me. They'll be like, Oh man, like they kind of like, um, uh, like tell me everything's going to be okay. And then, uh, they don't actually help me with my emetophobia. They almost kind of make it worse. They kind of draw me back from the things I should be doing instead of doing like, mm -hmm. Oh, that, you know, that's expired. We're going to throw that away. Or, Oh, and it's like, sometimes I just do need to like, you know, take the L and just do it. Like, I just need to like, you know, let me do the hard thing here. And that's what, in that moment, she was very helpful for that. of just saying like, kind of like walking me through the entire situation and, and not just like making me run away from it. She's like, well, maybe you do need to be sick. Like maybe that will help you. And it was just, she was very, yeah. she was very helpful in that moment, but that was my biggest win. I think um, another one too was um, getting my driver's license and driving a car. Like that was huge for me. Cause I, I really had a problem with cars. I was my, my emetophobia stems from a, a traumatic moment with my old friend. He had food poisoning in a car I was in and I was stuck in the car with him. He, I was his passenger and he was the driver. So every five oh. minutes we're pulling over and on the side of the highway. So we're going like 70 on the highway and he just keeps whipping over on the side. And like, there's one point where he just opened the door while we were driving and did it. I'm just like, dude. And at the time I didn't have emetophobia. I didn't have, like, I didn't know that it was even a thing. Oh, so, it was the next day I went to my friend's house and the anxiety of that first of that day with him, I was at a party that night and I ended up like passing out. I wasn't, I, I, I took like two hits off a joint. I wasn't even that high. I think I drank like half a beer and I went in the back room and I like passed out. And when I woke up, I couldn't breathe. And I was having like a really bad panic attack. And it was like seven in the morning, had my mom come pick me up. And then from that day forward, it's just been like this, like it never stopped. That's why I always say that was my day where it, like it all conjured itself into one big ball of emetophobia. Yeah, that's where that, I'm now, so. that, I mean, that sounds traumatic. <laughs> it was bad. And yeah. It was like, it was like your trigger. It was like it, it traumatized you really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so that's why I always had a problem with cars. Cause I felt very out of control in cars and I didn't want to ride with strangers or on a bus or anywhere like that. So I really stayed away from that. But my friend kind of pushed me and he said, Hey man, like I'm tired of driving your ass around all the time. So uh, we're going to go get you a driver's license. So he took me to the DMV, got me the paperwork. I paid the 50 bucks to go get it done or whatever. I had to do the test. And that was really traumatic as well. Like I'm so scared, like shaking in this car with this random lady and I have to just like keep it cool. And so, yeah, once I got my driver's license, though, everything's been great. And I've, I've had it for a long time now and driving's been okay. And I, I doesn't even bother me anymore, but it's just one of those things where I never thought I could drive a car and I, I do now every day. So. Cool. Yeah, no, that that definitely helped me also. And I think as well, just like being in control. And also, you know, you know how I was saying about being able to leave when you want to leave? Because mm -hmm. I think as well, when you're when you're not driving, if you sort of go like, you know, on New Year's Eve, we was invited to um 
our lovely friends hosted this um, New Year's Eve party at their house and we were staying over and they live quite far away. Um, and that for me in itself was a bit of a win because um, obviously I was drinking, I was staying over. Um, and it was one of those things where, you know, I because I was drinking, I couldn't then just sort of drive if I was getting anxious or if someone, you know, got ill. Um, so yeah, I think driving is a really, it, it was really important to me knowing that you know, that freedom of being, you know, I can go to somewhere, but also if I get uncomfortable, if someone gets ill, I can leave. Um, and also, yeah, you know, not having to be a passenger and feeling motion sick and things like that. So that's quite important. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on um, having children? Are you kind of like iffy about it still or are you pretty uh, positive I'm, about it? I'm super iffy about it. I'm yeah. super, super iffy about it because uh, I mean, just just in general anyway, just when I was younger, I was always one of those kids that was like, oh, I can't wait to be a mom. I'm going to be a mom when I'm like 20. And now I'm like, I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> I literally can't yeah. think of anything worse than having a kid right now. Um, but I have I have actually spoken about this with people because um, not only is it just sort of, you know, the morning sickness and things like that, that is obviously just, you know, something I dread. I think also as well, I don't want to pass my phobia onto my child um because i mean you know it's not her fault but my mum has a terrible phobia of spiders um and we definitely all got that from her sort of like you know learned behavior of you see a spider it's terrifying you scream and something i would really hate is not only sort of you know if my child was to be ill not being able to be there for them but also um them having that phobia because I know more than anyone how debilitating it can be and how it sort of you know disrupts your life and I would hate for my child to have that um so I think that's also something that that's sort of one of the main things I dread and I would love you know before if I ever considered having children in the future um you know to sort of speak to someone about it and see if there's something you know coping things that I can do um with that because obviously kids get it all the time I mean sure that's actually just reminding me I also had another whim another big one and this was maybe like four years ago three or four years ago um my best friend has a baby and he's my godson and I adore him he's so cute and um one time I was around her house and like we was trying to get him to go to sleep and I was like giving him his bottle rocking him and he just wasn't having it and I was like you know rocking him rocking him rocking him bottle you know things like that and then suddenly I mean it was completely my fault I was like rocking him loads I was like go to sleep you know and um he got sick um all over me like and I know that sounds kind of like god like that sounds like a really traumatic experience like why didn't you sort of mention this sooner because that sounds like you know someone a person was sick on me um but in that moment as much as it was you know it was unpleasant I was more worried about him I was sort of like, you know, because he was lying down. So I had to sort of like sit him up. I was scared about him choking. In that moment, I was sort of more concerned about, is he okay? Um, you know, does he, you know, any, anything like that. I was just more worried for him. So that that experience did sort of open my eyes a bit in a sense of, I wonder if I, if it was my own kid, would I be able to sort of cope with it more in a sense of like, I'd be more concerned for their safety, more concerned if, that they were okay than my own fear. I just I just don't know until I'm in that situation but it's definitely a worry for sure it's like a massive massive worry I think for like oh, I think I th I think that with the experience that you had I think that's a huge form of exposure therapy that you went through and I, I I've had to go through the same and um it was very traumatic in the moment but later on I, I mean you just gotta like you put the love first every time it's weird it's like you don't and especially when they're babies or when they're kids they don't know what's going on so you almost feel like 
it's like when somebody tells you that they're sick, you kind of want to make them feel better. So you're like, here's water. Here's this, here's this, here's this. You want some mints? You want some gum? I got this. Like you try to do everything you can for yourself that you would do. And then you try to do it to them. I think that's what you do for the, the children as well as like, you want to make them feel as comfortable as possible. I mean, at least I do. And that's what I've learned over the years is because there was a time where um, just a small story. I, I, I used to have, my ex-girlfriend has two kids and there's three and four years old, not my kids, but hers. And, um, I lived with them and the little boy was very picky about food and he, I gave him some scrambled eggs and I, I like used the, the egg wash that I um, made the French toast with. So there was like cinnamon in it. So I, I didn't really realize that that was going to be that gross at the time because I tried it too and it was disgusting, but he took one bite and he got sick all over his lap, all over the plate and everything. And in the moment, I just like, and the, the, the rest of us, the, the mom and the, her two friends were in the other room, like talking. And I was out there with them watching cartoons or whatever. And he did that. And I just like, I, I went to go get up and run away. And, like, I didn't know what to do. And I, and then I, I mean, I eventually just ran and was like, I need help. I need help. Like, I don't know. And I just picked a plate up and I like put it in the sink and I like helped him up. I took his clothes off. I was like, let's get you changed, man. Like it was just one of those moments where I just took control of the situation versus running away. I wanted to run away so bad. Like that's my only thought was like, get out of here, like go outside, just get fresh air, like get the fuck away from yeah. this kid. But in the moment I was like, the love just took over. And I was like, I love this little kid though. Like he's great. And I want him to take care of him, make him feel comfortable. I would hate to be in his situation right now. Like that would suck. So yeah, I think 100%. that really matters. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And when that, when that happened to me, it was kind of like, yeah, my initial instinct is to be like, oh my God, and just sort of like pass him to someone else. Like, oh shit, get him away. But yeah, it was like, I was the same. It was kind of like, uh, the, my love for him sort of over uh, overtook that and I was I kind of you know sat him up and was rubbing his back saying are you okay are you okay I think it was more afterwards that I sort of started to um have the fear I think in that moment I just I I was just sort of blinded by the love <laughs> but yeah it was just it was I was more concerned for him and then afterwards I kind of thought oh my god like I've just had a kid be sick all over me and I, I handled that and I didn't like yeah. run out the door I didn't have like a panic attack and yeah so yeah, I, I get that and that sort of initial, but then sort of, yeah, dealing with it is like really important. If you do, if you hear a little girl screaming, I, I live, my roommates have a three-year-old girl that's here. So she's out, her, my, her room is right across the hall from mine. So <laughs> she's out there playing around. But um, so I want to talk about some pets. You, I saw you might have a dog on your Instagram. Yes. <laughs> Does your dog help you quite a bit with your metaphobia? Yeah, like, uh, so I've had, uh, how many dogs have I had in my lifetime now? About four dogs. And I used to work at a vet. So I worked at a vet for two years. I love dogs. I love cats. I love any animal, really. I'm a big animal lover. Um, yeah. Weirdly with me, I'm not sure if this is something that anyone else has had. I am not scared of animals sick or animals being sick. Yeah, and um, maybe that's because I worked at a vet's and just sort of like being exposed to it every single day. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, even recently we got a puppy in lockdown last year. That's my dog now. He's called Branston. And um, he, I remember my boyfriend was here and my um, stepsister was here and the dog, um, the puppy got sick and they literally just like couldn't even look at it. They like had to like, like how I would be if someone was sick and they, you know, they they was gagging they couldn't go near it. And I was like, I'll clean it up. Like, I don't care. Like it was just nothing to me. Mm. Um, so that is, that is something I do find pretty strange is like, I don't know why I'm not, I'm not scared of it. When I was younger, I actually was when I, we had a dog when I was younger and if he was ever sick, I wouldn't go near him for like a week. <laughs> like, I, even though I know full well, you can't really, you can't catch like sickness bugs from dogs. I just didn't want to go near him in case he was sick again, you know, things like that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty cool with animals being sick, but yeah, my dogs are the best. Like, I think 
any animals are like the best therapy in the world they know yeah. when something's up they come and comfort you um so yeah i can't can't recommend enough <laughs> that's good yeah we have a cat he's awesome he's over here just sleeping by the window just he, oh. he, every morning he wakes me up he sits there and he makes these weird little like noises all morning because there's birds on the bird feeders and he just loves watching uh, the birds he just it's like his little friends but he's a big fat name? cat uh oliver ollie oh, you say he's a big fat cat oh yeah he's huge oh he's my god fat guy. cats are the best yeah. well he i think he like he's got something wrong with his back legs they're like deteriorating a little bit they have been for a long time so he's not as active as he should be and he eats a lot so like we have this like special um. little dish that he, he eats with so it's like a slow you down dish so it's got like these little like prongs in it and stuff so. yeah but he's a good cat he's a great he's a great cat but um uh what about some advice for other emetophobes i don't know it's hard really because I, I feel like a bit of a uh, like an imposter giving advice to people when I feel like, you know, I'm sort of still figuring it out myself. Um, yeah. What advice would I give? I mean, I think just what we've really been talking about, you know, I know it sounds like, you know, the obvious sort of advice, but pushing yourself into uncomfortable situations is so, so, so important. Uh, you know, I've never had sort of official exposure therapy from like a therapist, but, yeah. you know, just throughout my life, you know, sickness and things like, it's just, it's so, um, you know, in, in movies and TV shows, it's it's everywhere. It's like, you know, everywhere we go, nights out, people drinking, it's just, you know, it's so common. Um, and putting yourself into situations that make you uncomfortable, that, um, you know, that you can sort of, you feel like you've sort of conquered something, I think is so important because I feel stronger every time I feel like I've got myself through a situation I never thought I could um, and obviously there's going to be setbacks there's going to be times where you put yourself into situations where maybe it didn't it didn't go great and maybe you did have an anxiety attack and you had to leave but that's absolutely fine we're all allowed our setbacks every now and again but I think continue to push yourself is like the biggest thing I would say is continue to put yourself into those situations because my, my parents are very much like um are very much like you don't quit you don't quit anything you keep going you don't just leave you 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 see it you know see it through um for example this is a big one this is like a really big um emetophobia story this is like one of the big ones in my life that i remember i was in um a show on the west end it was called you know joseph the amazing technicolor dream coat <laughs> do you know yes, that I do. <laughs> no <laughs> it's like a, I think it's like a biblical like story but it, it was there was a show and um I was part of um they had like a choir of kids in the show and I was part of the choir and like um we was like on the stage and it would be like the, the we had like stairs either side so we would all sit on the stairs sing throughout the show and then at one point in the show we all sort of ran down the stairs and we had to sort of like run run around in a circle and sing and I remember there was um a lovely girl um who would sit behind me on the stairs and that day she was saying, I feel really, I really don't feel well, I feel really sick. And I was saying to the, like, we had like chaperones there, um, obviously to like look after the kids. And like, I remember saying to the chaperones, you know, this girl feels really ill, should she not go on stage? And they were saying, oh, don't be silly, she's fine, she's fine. Anyway, so it comes to the part in the show where we all have to run down the stairs, we all run in the circle, we're all singing. And basically what, what ends up happening is we all end up in like a semicircle around like the main guy. And we were like, we're all singing. And then we, we end with like all our arms in the air. And this girl is stood next to me and she just like bends down and is just like really, really badly sick. And this oh, is like no. a, a West End show. This is like in, you know, like on the, like, like Broadway. Do you know what I mean? And like, um, 
and I was just like oh my god in so much shock and then sort of after we do this we have to run back up the stairs again and sort of get back to our places so as she's running she's being sick and then as she's coming up the stairs she's being sick over the stairs so that was super traumatic um and obviously like it's not her fault like you know she was clearly really and it was probably more embarrassing for her you know really traumatic for her but I remember for like the next week the stage like whenever we'd have to go to work like um it had this funky smell um and in my mind just because I'm this I have this weird brain because this happened in like the first act of the show from that point onwards when I was doing this show I would like the first act I would sort of be you know like white knuckling it like sat there like complete tense anxious you know awful and then I felt sort of like safe in the second act um, and I remember sort of begging my parents I can't do this show I can't do it anymore like this you know I'm so anxious every night that someone's going to be sick, things like that. But they really pushed me and they made me see it through. Like they they got me to, I went to every single show. I didn't miss one. Um, and even though it was really stressful and really hard afterwards, I did feel like, yeah, I'd conquered something huge. Um, and it's one of those things, isn't it? Right. It's like, you know, once you've conquered that, what else can I do next? And it's sort of like, well, I've done that in the past. I can do this type thing. So yeah, so I've waffled on a bit, but yeah, conquering <laughs> scary situations, I think is, is a big one. That's really good. No, very well said. No, I, I think it's the biggest part of being comfortable in the uncomfortable. That's what I've learned over the years. That's what's really gotten me through with, with exposure therapy, pushing myself with my anxiety, getting, I always say it's like the get to the next sign, get to the next part of the sidewalk, get to the next door. It's like just, it's very small steps that then um, accumulate into a very large, like open world of things that you can do for yourself. And um, I always preach the five second rule too. It's where like you count down from five and you just do it. Like there's no if, ands or buts. There's no, oh, I don't know. It's just five, four, three, two, one. And you just walk in and you do what you need to do. And I think that's yeah. been really pushing me a lot too. And cold showers. I like the, the, oh, I, I yeah, preach I this to everybody. About that. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I might actually try um, that. <laughs> you should. And like, you don't have to go right into a cold shower. You can take a nice warm shower for as long as you want. It's just the last like 30 seconds, just kick it all the way down to cold and just see how long you can stand there. And if you can, if you can only do it for like three seconds and turn it off that's fine but it's all about just like showing yourself that you can do things that are very uncomfortable and then when you get out of it you're like oh, like it's just like this overwhelming <laughs> amount of power you feel afterwards because your body's just in shock it's like fight or flight for a second and you yeah. might have a panic attack the first one I had a really bad panic attack my first one I ever did um, but after that it's been getting easier and easier and easier and easier and now I can just stand there like at the end of my shower I just turn it off and I almost just like sit there and it's like kind of soothing I try to get it all over my head and all about my back and stuff but that's been really helping and, and I just like it a lot. I know what you mean by that. Like kind of, there's been times where um, something's come up on the TV, like say like someone's being sick on the TV or something like that. And my initial instinct, like set up with the cold shower is to be like, you know, get, get away from this like awful feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And there's been times, you know, my initial reaction is to sort of, you know, turn off the TV or say for example, a good one is the Jackass films. I love yeah, the Jackass yep. films, but you know, when there's the parts where like, they're sick steve-o steve-o is the worst yeah he's always sick and like um recently like so every time i've ever watched them with my friends whatever i'm always like can we fast forward this bit because i know i know it's coming up i'm like i don't like this bit fast forward it um but i watched them actually recently i I just went through a stage of just like re-watching them and i didn't fast forward and I, wow. and I did really well and I, I was so brave and, um, you know, as, as much as there were sort of times I might have sort of looked away or I might have kind of slyly not been looking, I did really, you know, push myself to watch them. And I know it sounds like the silliest thing, like, oh, great, you sat through a Jackass film, well done you. But for me, that was like a really big deal. I actually looked like, you know, watched it and I forced myself to do it. 
Um, and I felt so much better after that because when, when as a child, I would never, like if there was anything to do with sickness, anything on the TV, I would like, you know, scream, run out of the room. I'd have an anxiety attack. But um, it just goes to show that now I can sort of, you know, watch a film comfortably um, and get through it. And it's for some people, it's like the, the tiniest little thing. But for me, that was like a really big deal. And, you know, I felt great after it. No, I know exactly what you mean. The, the Jackass films, I still have problems. And like, I'm pretty over my emetophobia at this point in my life, but watching those films still to this day, I watched a documentary about steve recently, like his documentary he put out and it like almost brought back traumatic moments in my life where I'm like, God, I remember watching those videos where it was like yeah. in the moment. Yeah. I didn't even have emetophobia before and I would watch them and it would still like get me really nauseous just because like it was so intense. I'm like, dude, like why do you have to show every last bit of that? Like you can't just cut that part out, but no, that's really good. And and I would I would equate the jackass films to basically a cold shower for emetophobia people. It's just one of those things. You don't want to fucking do it. But once you do, you feel great afterwards. And you're like, I'm going to live another day. I'm fine. Everything's good. So. Well, if I if I end up doing a cold shower, I'll let you know. And I'll let you know how long I lasted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, like I said, it's not about how long you last. It's just the fact that you did it. That's it. Like yeah, as long okay, as you do yeah. it that because like that's the thing that Wim Hof always says too. the guy who I learned this from is Wim Hof. He's the dude that climbed on Everest with just his shorts on like nothing else. Yes. And um his whole thing too is like, don't ever force yourself to do things, but push yourself to do things. So it's like, if you, if you're in the cold shower, don't be like, I have to go 30 seconds or I'm not going to complete this. Just be like, I did it. I, no matter how long it took and like how, how long I was in it, I still did it. That's all that mattered. So I think that's where we're at. And it's like, it's just about doing a little bit better each and every time and not just like pushing yourself super hard the first time and then overwhelming yourself. And I suppose it's like one of those things, it's like doing something that feels like for us, seeing someone being sick or being sick ourselves is something that's so unnatural to us, you know, whereas for other people, it's like supernatural and, you know, super like, you know, or whatever. But like, say like, you know, just the cold shower, that must be the most unnatural feeling of being mm -hmm. in like a freezing cold shower and letting that run over you. Um, and actually like pushing yourself to do that into like a, a situation that feels so unnatural, I can imagine is like really beneficial. Yeah, I think some really quick advice too, if you're going to do the cold shower thing, take your warm shower and then right before you're about to turn it cold, do some breathing exercises, like kind of breathe kind of heavy, you know, like big like in and out breath. Away a bit. Yeah, get, <laughs> your, get yourself ready. And then when I do the cold part, I let all my breath out completely and just hold it like that for a second. And then I go cold. And then as soon as I'm ready, my body's already like kind of flushed of oxygen. And then as soon as I'm ready to take that breath, it's like... <sighs> Ooh, like it just instantly hits you and you're like oh my god it's so cold and then you just have to focus on breathing after that and your, your breath will be really like slow and it's hard to breathe because it's so cold but if you can just focus on the breathing part you can almost go as long as you want at that point like it's just just keep going you know that's it's really fun um we're pushing yeah we're we're, we're we're pushing about an hour i want to talk really really quickly about therapy have you ever seen a therapist and if you did have they helped you in any way um, I've seen many therapists in my life. Um, I think just as a kid, um, because like my parents went through a divorce and like the school when everyone was like really worried about me because, you know, it's like traumatic as a kid, but I've never spoken to a therapist ever about emetophobia ever mm -hmm. in my life. And, and to this day, uh, when I, you know, I, I might sort of like briefly bring it up to my doctor, they sort of say things like, well, let's just focus on the anxiety for now. Um, because I think they just don't equate it in like the same, you know, conversation so um yeah therapy in general has helped me and that was when I got sort of my diagnosis of anxiety because uh before getting a diagnosis I just thought anxiety was just something that you would you know when people say oh I feel a bit anxious um I had no idea it was something you could actually be diagnosed with so that um really opened my eyes to like who I am as a person and how my brain works and things like that um 
but yeah, like it, I've never spoken to anyone about my metaphobia. I'd be really interested to do so. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a bit difficult because we have the NHS here. Um, the waiting list is like two years for like um, a therapist, let alone, I, I, I have no idea what they would do, you know, in regards to like phobia therapy and things like that. But um, I would definitely be interested to do so. And I have been thinking about it recently about speaking to my doctor about that, but um, yeah. <laughs> I do want to bring something up too. I never really brought it up on the podcast, but I've a lot of people have talked to me about it. It's this thing called the Thrive Program. I don't know if you ever heard about that. It's like an orange booklet. Um, I've had a lot of people like talk to me and say, you know, you should try this Thrive thing. I know it costs some money. I've never personally tried it. I don't like endorse it or anything. It's not like a part of the podcast, but at the end of the day, like I hear a lot of good stories about it. So it might just be something to look into if you can't necessarily get therapy where you're at or anybody who's listening can't get therapy where they're at um it's just you can literally buy the book on amazon it's like a workbook that you go through and i think there's also people who like will help you through it there's like um like ambassadors who kind of sell the book and they kind of help you through the book as you do it and stuff but i do have somebody who emailed me about it and wants to come on the podcast so i might do that here soon but i didn't want to push it too hard because i don't know what it is yet and i'm like i don't really want to like push it to everybody but if if awesome. therapy is a problem this might be an extra like thing you could look into if, if anything i don't think it was it was like 30 dollars for the book so it's not too expensive but um but yeah, um, that being said, it's been about an hour. This has been an absolutely amazing podcast. Super easy to talk to you. It's been a, a really good podcast. So I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for having me on. Thank you. Yes. It's been really nice. And like I said, you're the first person I have ever spoken to with emetophobia ever. So this has been like really refreshing. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty easy though. It was a nice conversation for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> where can people find you? If you want to do any plugs on any of your stuff or social media, anything? why not <laughs> um so i'm i'm a photographer so i've got um a photography instagram it's called emily.rose.creative um so follow me on there see my uh, photography and my personal instagram is linked if you want to give me a follow my dms are always open um yeah <laughs> cool Cool. Well, um, we'll definitely try to have a part two sometime because I want to have you on maybe a little bit later down the road, see where you're doing, see how everything's going with you and everything. Yeah, I'd like to do great. a follow up. So cool, cool. Well, um, yeah, that being said, thank you so much for coming on and we'll see you on the next one. Cool. Thank you for chatting with me. Awesome. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. What a fantastic podcast episode. Uh, super value packed, super information packed. Again, Emily, thank you so much for coming on. You can find her over on Instagram at Emily Rose Welch X. So just her name with an X at the end. Or you can find her art page over at emily.rose.creative. Um, again, awesome podcast. You can find me over at emetophobias.com. Or you can find my email at theemetophobiapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find my Instagram with my link tree and all my links on it at theemetophobiapodcast. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for the support. Remember to go down below and rate and subscribe to the podcast. Um, and if you could leave a review, that would be even more helpful. That kind of gets us up in the rankings, get people listening to the podcast. So um, if I brought you some value with this podcast, um, just, you know, I'll, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, give me a little review. That'd be really cool. Um, soon enough here, I might start like giving out some prizes for like the top reviews. Um, just kind of an idea. We'll think about that here in the near future. I'll, I'll let you guys know what's going on with that. But Again, thank you guys for all the support, and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace.